Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we have one of the greatest parables that Jesus ever told. Everything that we need to know about the spiritual life is found in this parable. Therefore, we should tend to it very carefully. All the details are important. Now notice how it begins. A man had two sons. Well, immediately the story begins telling us about our relationship with God. God is like a father to us. We are his children. And because of the fact that we are his children, everything that we have comes from God, even sheer life itself. More to it, God gives us the spiritual life. From the very moment of our baptism, we began to participate in a life with Jesus Christ. And so when we participate in a life with Christ, we also participate in God's will, in doing God's will. Consequently, God is constantly giving us and giving us gifts throughout our entire life. We respond by freely giving ourselves over back to God in service to God and others in this world. And see, that's the key. The more we give ourselves over to God in service to God, the more grace we receive from God and the more we're drawn into the life of Jesus Christ. Now next in the story, the younger son said, Give me my share of your estate. Now, he echoes the words of Adam and Eve. In fact, this young man is repeating the mistake of Adam and Eve. And we have to understand, we participate in the divine life of God as a gift. It's a gift given to us by God with the express intent of giving ourselves away in service to God and others in this world. The very minute in which we say, I want to live my life according to my terms, then we lose our relationship with God. We cling to our own life and we refuse to share it. Now notice the practical aspect of that request. Basically, he's saying, give me my share of the inheritance. Well, when do we usually receive an inheritance? Unfortunately, when somebody dies. Well, what is he saying to his dad? Something very harsh and outright insulting. Essentially, he's saying to his dad, hurry up and die so I can get your money. Now, does the father become indignant, angry, or frustrated? No. He essentially answers his son, and he divides up his property. Now, here is the great symbol of free will that God gives us. God gives us all free will. It's a great truth, but also it's a terrifying truth. How come? Because God invites us to participate in his life. Now, we can say, yes, I want to, or we can say, no, I want to live my own life my way. Now, what will God do? He will essentially say, okay, I will let you go. And that's what's taking place here. 
So the son takes his inheritance and it says he goes to a distant country. Now the Greek word that is used here for distance is koromatra. Now koromatra can also be translated into a great empty space. Now how often do we see or know people that have been lured by the things of this world? Power, honor, riches, fame, fortune, whatever it may be. Because they think those things are a source of happiness for them. And instead, all those things, power, fame, fortune, that is the koromatra of our own day and age, of our time. It's the great empty space. Because God isn't present there. Next, it says he squandered all of his money. Well, of course he did. You know, he clinged to all of his possessions. It's a basic biblical truth. When we cling to God's given gifts, we'll lose them. God gives all of us gifts throughout our entire life. Gifts like our prosperity, our skills and abilities, everything. They multiply in precisely the measure in which you share them on behalf of God and others in this world. But when we hold on to them and not share them, we essentially lose them. That's why Jesus says later on, Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life in service for my sake will save it. Next, the young man is desperate, he's hungry, so he hires himself to tend to these pigs. Now that tells us how desperate he is. Now remember, the Jews considered pigs or swine as unclean animals. They didn't want to go anywhere near these animals. So we can see how desperate a condition this young son is. He takes this disgraceful position. Notice also, too, that phrase, he hired himself. Remember, he's in that distant country, that great empty space. He's not in a place of mutual self-giving and sharing that he experienced when he was around or in his father's house. Instead, the son is in a place far from that. A place where there is division. There's no giving. This is yours and this is mine. See, this is what happens when we wander away from God. Now it says, coming to his senses, he said to himself, the servants of my father's house have plenty to eat. That's because they're in an environment where the father is generously giving and sharing all that he has. Well, the son is so far away from that environment. And that's why he's starving. And so he goes back. Now, the father caught sight of the son. And this is important for all of us. The father was always watching and waiting for his son. He never forsake his son, never wrote him off. He was waiting intensely for his son to come back so he could forgive him right away. Now, this is a great lesson for us. Even if we wander away from God, God doesn't write us off. He doesn't forget about us, nor does he disown us in anger. Instead, he waits and he watches for our return. Next, it says the father ran to the son. Now, in the ancient world, this was undignified for an older man to run. Remember, it's a patriarchal society. Older men would sit in the house. The people of the family would come to him as a means of honoring the patriarch. This old man is running, so it appears very undignified. But guess what? 
The father doesn't care. Now, if you read the Bible from the very beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, if there's one picture, one image that summarizes the entire Bible, it's this image. The father running to the son. Not to be angry with him, but instead to forgive him. We have to realize the whole Bible is a story of God's quest for us. God's desire for us is infinitely greater than our desire for God. Now, ironic as it is, how does this story begin? With the son running away from the father. And how does it end? With the father running to the son to forgive him. Again, if you want to summarize the Bible in one image, one picture, it's this. God running to us, running to us, not to be angry with us because we wandered away from him, but running to us to forgive us and embrace us with his love. So the son begs forgiveness. Now the father doesn't say anything odd. Well, he doesn't have to. He doesn't say, I forgive you, because he already did as soon as he caught sight of his son in the far distance. Now, they put a a robe on him. Well, remember, in the ancient world, clothing was symbolic of a person's identity. So, the son's identity is now restored. Well, so too with us. Our identity is deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. From the very moment of our baptism, part of the baptismal rite or ritual is putting on a baptismal garment. The ring is a sign of connection. The relationship between the Father and the Son is now restored. Look at Jesus Christ. At Easter, yes, we celebrate his resurrection. He's conquered death. But more importantly, through the resurrection, our relationship with God has been restored. Sandals. You know, slaves went about in bare fate in the ancient world. Well, the Father refuses this type of relationship with his Son. The son is now restored into full family member. Well, we too are fully connected to the Trinitarian family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the story doesn't end here. In fact, if anything, it just heats up a bit. Now, the older son, he comes back from the field and he finds out that his younger son is returned. Worse yet, they're throwing a party for him. And so he deeply resents that after everything that young son has done. Now, the father goes out to persuade him to come in. Now, it's very interesting what this older son says to his dad. He says, For years I slaved for you. Now, at the very beginning of the story, it appeared that both brothers are very different. One brother is loyal to his dad. He stays with him. The other one runs away. But in the end of this story, we actually see Both brothers are exactly the same. They both treat the relationship with their father as an economic relationship. You know, a means of, what am I going to get out of this? The younger son says, give me my inheritance. The older son says, I slaved for you. They're not freely giving themselves to the father out of love. Unlike the father who was constantly sharing his love with his sons. Notice what the father says at the end. Everything... I have is yours. See, that tells us God's generosity for us is overwhelming, just as his forgiveness is overwhelming and over the top for us all. Even when we run away, 
God will run after us, not to punish us, but to forgive us. Just like this father in the story, God wants nothing more than a relationship that's based upon love and not economics. We freely offer our love to God because we have freely received God's love. And therefore, we're drawn more and more into the life of Jesus Christ. Friends, strongly encourage you. We have two more weeks left in Lent. Take some time this week. Reread this wonderful parable. It's about us in relationship to God and in the spiritual life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.